your copy of God's Word to, to Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, we've been looking at um, Hebrews for the past two Bible studies that we've had. And, uh, and so what we found in chapter 1 is that the writer of Hebrews is, is declaring that um, Christ is superior to the angels. Uh, the angels um, do not compare to him in his glory. And then chapter 2 emphasizes the humanity of Jesus Christ and how he came and suffered, became our sacrifice, how, how he came in his humanity and uh, went through all the struggles that we go through. Um, and to, to recognize that type of suffering and sacrifice that we have in our Savior. And, um, and so now in, in chapter 3 we're at tonight, uh, we look at Christ continuing this notion that he's our high priest, that he mediates for us, he made sacrifice for us. But in chapter 3, the, the writer of Hebrews deals um, with Moses and the disobedience of the children of Israel. And kind of a warning for us as Christians to recognize um, the superiority of, of Christ. And so, um, so yeah, let me pray for us. And then we're just going to jump right into this study. Uh, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to, to gather around uh, our phones, our computers, uh, TV screens. Uh, Lord, and just take a look at your word to study together. And we thank you for a platform like this where we can go live with a, a Bible study. Uh, Lord, even now we're four different platforms people are watching and taking part. And we're so thankful for the opportunity to do that. But we pray that you speak through um, your word and that your words would penetrate the hearts of all those who are listening, taking part of this study, and that you might speak to them right where they are in their current needs and their current circumstances. And Lord, we pray that every word that's spoken concerning your word would bring glory to you and would edify your body. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. And so we'll kind of just read through and I'll talk to you about what's taking place in each of the verses or, or just kind of emphasize a few things there. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 3 begins, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. And so what the writer of Hebrews is doing from the very start uh, here in Hebrews 1 is to remind the Christian uh, that God didn't just save us so that we could go to heaven, but he saved us into a calling. So um, he, he saved us to be a part of the work that he wants to accomplish among humanity and mankind now. And so the benefit is heavenly, and we do receive heaven, and we do re receive eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's more that comes with that, the responsibility of, of a, a higher Christian calling. The writer in my text says heavenly calling. And so the, 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 the author of Hebrews is just really saying, recognize that you have a high calling in Christ. Recognize what that calling is, and then let's be about that calling. So God's called us to some kind of ministry. God's called us to take part in sharing the gospel. He's called us to a church family somewhere and we we have responsibilities as church members to the church and that to the head of the church the lord jesus christ so so just notice there in in verse one of, of hebrews three 
uh, that the writer of Hebrews is calling our attention back to the fact that we've not only been saved in order to receive heaven, but we've been saved so that in the meantime, while we're here on earth waiting uh, to go to glory, that there's this calling in our life. And so we need to, we need to really ask God, what, it, what is it that you've called us to do? Now, the writer's going to use the children of Israel and Moses to demonstrate this call that we have in our life, and not only the call that we've been given by God, but, but to go a little bit further, uh, I would suggest that he's saying, uh, everyone, look into your heart, find your passions, and then be about the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, where he's called you. And um, so that's just the beginning. Uh, and, and that's all he does in, in verse 1 of chapter 3. Uh, then chapters 2 through 6 is where he um, brings Moses into the equation and talks about Moses and how faithful Moses was. And so we'll read uh, 2 through 6 and then uh, kind of discuss what it is uh, that the writer Hebrews is trying to get across. He says in verse 2, He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was in all of God's household. So Christ was faithful just as Moses. But what Moses was, it says Moses was um, in all of God's households. He was a part of God's household. He was part of God's family. And out of everyone in the family of God, Moses is considered a faithful man. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, just look at the faithfulness of Moses, a part of God's household. I, I make that distinction because in a moment he's going to shift and when he talks about Jesus he's going to speak of Christ in, in a little bit different terms using the same household metaphor for the body of Christ verse 3 continues about Moses for Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses just as the builder has more honor than the house now every house is built by someone but the one who built everything is God Moses who was faithful as a servant in all God's household, again the very same term, in God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future, but Christ, now here's the distinction. So we know all that Moses did. We, we know about uh, Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, leading them to the promised land, only to, because of their disobedience to, to turn around, uh, to wander 40 years in the wilderness, to seemingly always have to go before God, um, on behalf of the children of Israel. So out of all of God's household, Moses is faithful. And then he discusses Jesus and what's different about Christ uh, in response to Moses. And so in verse 6, he said, But Christ, who was faithful as a son over his household, and we are that household if we hold to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. And so what he's saying here is, is pretty simple. Uh, where Moses was out of the household, one of the believers, one of God's children. Christ is the faithful son over the household. And so, again, we're seeing the superiority of Christ, in this case, to Moses. In chapter 2, we looked at his humanity. In chapter 1, we saw that he was superior to the angels. Uh, so chapter 6, again, uh, 2 through 6, really uh, describe. Moses and how faithful Moses was and Christ in the sense of uh, Christ is even more faithful. They, they, they have two different roles. And so the first role, Moses, who was faithful out of the household, uh, Christ who was faithful over the household. And of course, the household metaphor is us, believers, the body of Christ. And so, uh, 
So just like chapter 1, Moses, uh, Christ is superior to the angels. In chapter 3, Christ is superior to Moses. Both are faithful, um, but Moses is of the household and Christ is over the household. And so, of course, the household being God's chosen, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he continues, the writer in, in chapter um, 7, or verse 7 of chapter 3, he goes to Psalm 95. And Psalm 95 is a, um, is a quote, really, that's discussing the, the wilderness, the children wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. It's also kind of a reflection of Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers 14. So we'll look at that together. Uh, and verse 7 just says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. And so the beginning of, of this quotation of Psalm 95 reminds us, the household of God, that uh, for us not to be um, rebellious toward God, not to harden our hearts toward God. And so I would just, you know, as we're kind of summing up two through six going into this quotation of Psalm 95 uh, would just remind you that Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses based on who he is, right? So Moses is of the household and Jesus is over the household and, and that we'll see the household metaphor used uh, throughout the, the text of Hebrews and in many other places. Um, one of the reasons, let's compare the glory to this because the writer of Hebrews does. He says the glory is kind of like this. Um, that the one who builds the house has more value and more glory than the house one builds. It would be kind of like saying that God is more glorious than creation. Uh, God is the one who created, and so that which is created never has more glory than the one who does creation. So Moses is a part of creation. Christ, we've already looked at last week, that all things were created through Christ in, in chapter 2 of Hebrews. So Christ is not a part of the, the house. He is the builder of the house. And therefore, he carries more glory than, than even Moses, this faithful servant of God, would carry. And so it's like the writer of Hebrews begins with the, uh, the glory of Christ and the preeminence of Christ in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he talks about the humanity of Christ and we don't want to um, try to separate those two, but we have to see God as fully, Christ is fully God and fully man. But we saw the humanity of Christ. And now in chapter 3, we're back to the divinity of Christ. And that even if we look at those who have been faithful in the past, like Moses, uh, faithful uh, of the household of God, uh, then Christ is going to be more glorious than Moses because Moses is a part of the household, part of the creation while Christ is the creator. Uh, but, but when we get to verse 7 uh, through verse 11 in this citation of Psalm 95, um, really looking at the metaphor now uh, or an illustration of the children of Israel and kind of what we're responsible for. And that that's quotation begins with a warning not to harden our hearts, uh, not to be rebellious uh, like the Israelites were in the wilderness. And so this uh, day of testing in the wilderness in verse 8 is, of course, they've made it to the promised land, they're, the Jordan River. They're ready to cross. Moses has, uh, has led them this far and uh, pretty quickly to, to move a whole nation of people. And now they're ready to go in the promised land. The spies go in. They, they come back with a report that the people are too big and, 
And there's no way that they can have victory. And so God has uh, done everything. Um, he's re rescued them from Egypt. He's allowed them to cross the Red Sea on dry land. He's provided food for them, uh, a pillar of fire um, to lead them at night, and a, a cloud by day. And so he's done all this, and yet they get to the promised land, and they're afraid to cross the river into the land promised by them. Um, and, and they begin to look with, with uh, their eyes of the flesh, and they see this huge conflict in front of them. And in their own minds, in their own eyes, they don't see any way of victory, even though God has already provided victory for them. And so we as Christians, New Testament Christians, there's a warning, don't be like the children of Israel, where God's provided all this for you. And so he's provided a Savior, eternal life, the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. He's done all of this for us. Now, we need to make sure that we're not like those who were tested in the wilderness, that we do not harden our hearts toward God. We do not become rebellious. And, um, and on the day of testing, that, that we might be shown faithful. Uh, verse 9 continues the, the citation of Psalm 95. Uh, where, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was provoked to anger with that generation and said they always go astray in their hearts and they will not know my ways or they have not known my ways so I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest and so this kind of completes the citation 95 let's talk a little bit about uh, about what it's saying and what it means because what God said is he was angered because they did not know his ways and so they they had they, they knew of God they had been rescued by God. They were chosen by God. God had supplied all their needs. And yet even with all that, they did not know the ways of God. And because they did not know the ways of God, then they did not enter the rest of God. And so the rest here would be kind of like consider the rest of God as your inheritance. For the Israelites who were wandering the wilderness, who had been released from Egypt, Rest was to enter into the promised land or the Canaan land. Uh, they weren't able to enter into their rest. They weren't able to go to the inheritance which God had prepared beforehand for them. Why? He says because he's angry at them. He's angry because they don't know his ways. And so I would submit that through Hebrews we're going to find like three steps or three stages really to knowing the way of God, knowing the will of God. And, uh, and so I want to take a second and talk about that because this is an emphasis in Hebrews here that the reason they are unable to enter what God had prepared for them into rest, and it's important because chapter 4 is really going to talk about the promised rest that, that we might enter into. Uh, so we need to begin that concept and look at it, look at it here in chapter 3. So if we want to know the rest of God and enter into the rest or our inheritance, or um, all of the benefits that come with being a Christian, being a part of God's chosen people, then we have to know the ways of God. Um, so they didn't know his way, he became angry, and they weren't allowed to enter the rest. So if we want to enter what God has, for us we have to know God's ways. And I, I think there are really three stages to, to fully understanding God's ways. I, I would submit that, in, in, you know, like a good pastor i've tried to make them all start with the same letter so we'll go with d uh I, I think it's um deliverance is the first thing that takes place and so if we think about the children of israel 
he delivered them out of Egypt uh, and provided a, a means for them as they traveled and was going to deliver them all the way uh, into the promised land. After deliverance, though, um, if we're thinking about this starts with D, then the next stage would be development, uh, where God is um, going to disciple us. Uh, how, how do we develop? Part of that is to, to have relationships with other believers, to, uh, to be in God's Word, uh, to be in continual prayer with God and conversation with God. And so after God delivers us, He's not done with us. He would like to develop us. And so we call this discipleship. Um, and so discipleship is developing into the person that God desires you to be, wants you to be, uh, where we become more like Christ. And as we go deeper into this relationship with God, uh, the third part of this whole developmental process I believe God wants us to go through in order um, to know uh, God's ways is, is destiny, what God has prepared for us, the rest of God. And so uh, the problem is you can't skip from deliverance to destiny without going through um, development. And so there are just no shortcuts in the Christian life or in relationship with God. And so God has delivered us out of sin and out of the things of this world. And now he's developing us so that we might enter the rest he has prepared for us or our destiny, the place that he's designed and our ultimate destination. Uh, but in order to do that, in order to know God's ways, then what we must do is we have to go through this stage of development. For the children of Israel, development took the form of 40 years wandering in the wilderness and and it took a generation because that generation was not able to enter into what God had provided for them but it was the next generation the children of those who made it all the way to Canaan land and refused to go in because of disbelief their children now went through a process of 40 years of developing and knowing and understanding God's ways um yeah, and Moses was a huge part of that. I mean, think about Moses. Um, Moses was responsible not only for the people. He was responsible for choosing leaders over uh, this huge nation to uh, just an everyday process of, of complaints and judgments and civil unrest. So Moses um, was a very faithful man to God and took on a, a lot of responsibility and deserves um, honor for that. Uh, and yet glory, though, is reserved for Christ, who is the builder of the house, not just one of the household. And so um, I just remember that metaphor of, of, the, of household. Um, and so now the writer in verse 12 um, is going to talk to us a little more about if there's no development to um, a warning. Verse 12 says, Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any of you, uh, there won't be in any of you evil, an unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And so this is what a lack of development can lead to. Um, and so we are to be on guard, we are to watch out, understand that, that God has delivered us and now wants to develop us. And if we're not careful, um, we try to go from step one where we've been delivered to step three, our destiny or what God has prepared for us without going through step two 
And so the writer of Hebrews is ultimately warning us, watch out, don't be like the children of Israel. Allow God to do work in your life. And wherever God sends you, whether it's a test or not, uh, whether the odds look stacked against you, uh, trust God in all that you do. Don't become rebellious. Don't become a murmuring, complaining people, uh, which is kind of the description of the Israelites on their way through the wilderness. Um, you know, they have nothing to eat, and God provides food. And before long, they're complaining about the food that God has provided for them. And so let's be careful not to allow our hearts to be hardened the way that the children in, of Israel did in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, you know, there are times when God just gets so sick of the, the hardness of their heart. Um, you know, he comes down on the mountain to talk with Moses. And Moses leaves them, goes up on Sinai to receive God's law. And while Moses is up there, he's up there too long. So they build idols for themselves to worship. And when Moses comes down, of course, Moses, angered by this, throws the tablets uh, on the ground, breaks them. Uh, but God, so... Um, outraged by the hardness of their heart uh, at this point according to the word of God desires to put an end to them and so we uh, we know that of course he sends snakes uh, to kill them so if they're bitten by a snake they're killed uh, and so we see Moses continually going before God on behalf of a people who are rebellious and and of course God told Moses to make a uh, make a rod with a serpent on it and that if someone got bit, if they looked to that, they would be spared, they would be saved, which is, is an Old Testament picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who would be lifted up and that if we desire to be saved from sin, we're to look to the cross of Christ and the empty tomb. But it's this picture that, that God paints of someone who uh, fills the gap for us, stands in the gap for us. Moses did that for the people of Israel all through the wilderness, uh, the wanderings. And Christ has done that for us all through New Testament, all the way until the, the, the point where we see him face to face. Uh, and part of that is developing, becoming who God wants us to be. And so it really just encourages the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us, kind of stay the course. There's no shortcuts in Christianity. There's, there's no shortcuts to a deeper walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, as obstacles seem to pop up uh, each and every day, just hold the course. Um, be sure that we don't have an evil, unbelieving heart. And life has a way of sometimes uh, bringing that out in all of us. And so let's just be prepared uh, for life in general. Uh, that when those seasons and times of life come, um, that we're still trusting God in the midst of those things. And we're asking God, what can you teach us in the midst of the struggles? Um, yeah, and really just trying to avoid uh, an evil, complaining, murmuring heart. Uh, because those things harden our heart over time. And if we're not careful, we get to a point where we can barely even hear the, the voice of God uh, anymore. So... Uh, the writer goes then into 13 and 14, which kind of um, make up a segment of, of their own. And so they kind of stand uh, apart from verse 12 and lead into verse 15. 13 says, uh, but encourage each other daily. Now, while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ. And if we have become participants in Christ, 
if we hold firmly until the end of the reality that we had at the start. And so, yeah, I, I read one sentence twice. But um, it's simply this. Uh, we, Christianity is not meant to be done alone. It's not meant to be done by yourself. Christianity is meant to be done in community and in fellowship. And so today we are to walk um, in community. Uh, we are to try to stop people from becoming so discouraged in living this life alone. And so the writer of Hebrews warns us uh, in verse 13, encourage each other daily. All right? While it's still called today, um, we know uh, Scripture repeatedly talks to us about living today. Uh, worry about today. Tomorrow will come with its worries. When it comes, just worry about today. And uh, the writer of Hebrews says that if we want to uh, live a life obedient to God today, then it's to be done in fellowship with other believers. It's to be done in community, uh, depending on each other. And so uh, uh, what, what an encouragement for us to meet together. It's important to have a church family. It's important to have Christian friends. It's important um, to disciple and develop your families um, so that you are surrounded by believers because each and every day comes with its own challenges and circumstances. And so the writer of Hebrews just encourages us um, to encourage one another to, to do this in community. Uh, why do we need to do that? Verse 15 starts, as it is said, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. And again, this uh, rebellion is the children of Israel who harden their hearts against God, uh, are unwilling to cross into Canaan land. And so 15 is kind of starting to tie some things up, starting to kind of bring the chapter to an end. Um, still uh, a lot there. So um, we want our hearts um, malleable, I guess it is what I would like to say. We want to be able to be transformed by the Word of God um, through the Spirit of God. And uh, if we're not careful... Our hearts can become hardened, even if, even if not intentionally, even if we just get so busy doing life um, that we forget to do life with God. Uh, so if we miss a day or two of reading Scripture, it seems to be a little bit easier to miss the next day and easier the next day and easier the next. If we take some time and we're not spending time in prayer with God, then it becomes a little easier each day to miss those opportunities. And so we need to take advantage of each day while it is still today so that our hearts do not become rebellious and hardened. And But for the grace of God, it could be any of us. And so the only thing that sustains us day after day is our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And one of the ways we maintain that is the Scripture. Because you should never go to any Scripture and leave without loving God more and loving others more. Uh, St. Augustine, a long time ago, right, said that if you leave the Scriptures and you do not love God more or your neighbor more, then you didn't rightly divide the Scripture. And so it's, it's impossible to go into God's Word, to read God's Word, and to leave without experiencing God's love and uh, the ability to express more love to your neighbors. And so one of the ways that we uh, prevent ourselves from becoming rebellious and hard-hearted is to spend time in the Word daily. Um, also, we need to spend time not just talking to God, but listening to God. 
whether it be through his word as well as in prayer. And if we do these things each day, right? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's, it's this, um, you can sense the urgency that the writer of Hebrews is placing on this passage that you can't put this kind of thing off until tomorrow. That time spent with God and, and time spent in God's word is too important, too critical to put off to tomorrow. So today, that, that we might hear his voice today, um, is the way that we prevent our hearts from becoming hard and prevent rebellion in our life as we have seen in the Old Testament uh, in, with the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. And we get to verse 16. And um, in 16 and 17, we'll just kind of uh, look at together. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? And so again, this is summarizing the chapter now, kind of bringing the chapter to a close. And I shared with you, I believe, the first night and probably the second night that the writer of Hebrews really had an expansive knowledge of, of the Greek language and has really written uh, just a high level um, of writing in the book of Hebrews, probably as high a level as any New Testament book, uh, just very sophisticated uh, in the Greek. And, um, and so each chapter, he begins to kind of tie things up and bring things into kind of a neat package. And so what he, what he does here in verse 16, uh, 17, 18 is to kind of bring us through the chapter so that we might leave with, with a full understanding of what it is he was saying. Um, for who heard and rebelled, it was the children of Israel who came out of Egypt. Verse 17, with whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And so again, just uh, bringing us back to the children of Israel, but bringing us back to their rebellion and their, their sinfulness, um, their disobedience, as though to say, don't be like them. Don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, hearken. Encourage one another today. Uh, and so all of the chapters really an encouragement that we spend each and every day uh, in the Word, with the Lord, with others in community um, for Christ. And so remember verse 1, it talks about this calling that we have and how being saved is not simply so that we go to heaven. Right, that's, that's secondary to, to today. Today, what we've been saved into is part of the kingdom work of God. And so we have this heavenly call that we are to be about the great commission. We're to be sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to minister to other people. And so even in verse 1 at the start of this chapter, the writer of Hebrews is saying there's something that God desires to do in and through your life and for the good of others. And so we have this heavenly call in our life where we've been called to more than just sitting back waiting until we see Christ in heaven, but we've been called to ministry of others. Uh, we've been called to walk daily uh, without rebellion and hard-heartedness. And now the writer of Hebrews at the end is just kind of reminding us again. Today, don't harden your hearts. Who was God angry with? It's kind of like a teacher uh, driving the point home, right, at, at the end of class. You know, what does two plus two equal? Kind of bringing everything together. And the writer here says, you know, who was it? Like, who was it God was angry with? It's almost like 
the writer invites you to go back to the text to look so that you might walk away. Uh, take a second look again. Was God angry? He was angry with the children of Israel. Was it not God who was angry for 40 years? You look, but yeah, God was angry 40 years. Ultimately, did they ever enter the rest of God? No, they weren't able to enter the rest of God because they didn't know the ways of God. The rest, of course, for them was Canaan land, the promised land. The writer of Hebrews is not saying they, they weren't able to enter heaven. The, the writer said they weren't able to enter into Canaan land, which is what God had promised to deliver them um, if they would just follow him. And so I don't want uh, bad theology to be implied here. It's not that they're losing their salvation. All right, God's still, they're still God's chosen people. He's still going to deliver the land to those people, but they forfeited their right to inherit the land when they got there and became disobedient and were um, faithless. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, remember, look, there's consequences to not trusting God. There's consequences to... To, to fearing things more than you have faith in what God can do. And so what, that's a pretty timely message, I think, uh, that we have more faith in God's ability uh, to take care of his people than fear that something's going to happen to us. Um, and so, unfortunately, the Israelites who make it to the promised land fear what awaits them in the promised land more than they have faith that God's able to deliver them. And that's what makes God angry with them. And that's why they're no longer able to enter into the rest, the inheritance, the destiny that he had for them. Does God still deliver the children of Israel into the promised land? Yes. But 40 years after he desired. And so we want to enter into the rest of God as well. What God has in store for us and the blessing that, that God has for us. Well, you can't do that if you're hard-hearted and, and rebellious. Uh, verse... Um, 18, well, the finish verse 17. Wasn't it with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Uh, verse 18, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So this important, he's about to go into chapter 4, and in chapter 4 we're going to talk about entering the rest of God. Um which I believe is something that we desperately need to, to enter into the very rest that God provides for us. Not just the, the final inheritance of heaven. Remember, this is about God calling us more than just going to heaven, but calling us to ministry here on earth. And so we desperately need the peace of God, which is very similar to the rest of God as we start to move into to chapter 4. And so the, what disqualifies us from entering into this destiny God has prepared for us, we might say, and what uh, eternity holds for us as well. Um, development, right? Uh, to make sure that we do not live in disbelief or unbelief is what the writer says. That if we, he actually says to those who disobeyed, and so um, remember the children of, of Israel disobeyed because they did not do something. All right, God had brought them all the way to the promised land for them to enter the promised land. And by not going through with that, that's disobeying. And so we need to be careful that, that sin can be just as easily something we fail to do uh, as something we are guilty of doing. 
And so to know that God's called us to something and not do that is disobedience and disobeying God and just as sinful as doing something God's told us not to do. And so of course, we call those sins of omission. And uh, when we fail to do what it is God's called us to do. And really the, the writer of Hebrews chapter 3 is really imploring us not to be guilty of not doing all that God's called us to do. Not, not taking the heavenly calling that we've been given uh, seriously enough to where every day today I'm going to live in community with other believers. I'm going to spend time in the word of God. I'm going to spend time in prayer with God. If we do those things, we guard our heart against it becoming hardened. And we guard our life against it becoming rebellious. And so, yeah, it's just, I think it's a very encouraging chapter. I think uh, the writer of Hebrews does a wonderful job of um, this kind of parallelism where he's showing us what, what we can kind of have, what God really wants for us, while at the same time showing us what happened to the children of Israel um, and how easy, if we're not careful, we can fall into the very same path that the, the Israelites did. And we can find ourselves being disobedient, disobeying God, or, or having unbelief in our heart. And if we do those things, there's consequences to that on this side of eternity, right? And so there's things that maybe God has planned for my life that because of unbelief and disobedience um, that I don't get to participate in. Uh, just like he called the Israelites into the promised land and was going to give it to them, they failed to act. Uh, because of, of disbelief and, and, and their unbelief resulted in disobedience. Uh, and God called that uh, a rebellious and an evil heart that they had because they did not know his ways. Um, they should have known, right? By the time they get there, after all that God's done, they should know the way of God and uh, that God's going to protect them and provide all that they need. And yet even after all they've seen God do, um, in fact, it takes 40 more years for them to finally see what God wants to do. Um, and so just encourage you, again, uh, each day is a challenge to live today uh, to the glory of God. Uh, surround yourself with other believers. Don't try to, to live the Christian life by yourself. Uh, we were meant to live in community, right? We're a household is what the writer of Hebrews calls us um, and, and compares us to. Uh, we are a household that Moses was part of, but we're the household that Christ is over. And, uh, and so we have a Savior who not only understands what we deal with, what we see, what we face each and every day, but is compassionate and full of grace and mercy, um, who mediates for us to the Father. And so, um, so spend time daily in prayer with him. Spend time daily in the Word of God and spend time daily with other believers. And if you do those things, um, then you can be encouraged. And even though this life's difficult, it's much uh, more difficult for you to become discouraged if you surround yourself with other believers and the things of God. If you do that, you'll know the way of God. And even when you go through the difficulties, understand God's developing you. And there's just no shortcut. You can't go from deliverance to destiny. You have to go from deliverance to development, ultimately to what God has planned for you, this destiny, so to speak. And so, um, anyway, I pray that, that Hebrews uh, chapter 3 has been somewhat enlightening. He continues to build from chapter 1 to chapter 2 to chapter 3 as we work through this. 
uh, preeminence of Christ is a big, big theme throughout the entire book. I remember chapter 1, Christ superior to the angels. In chapter 2, Christ in his humanity, the sacrifice he made is greater than any sacrifice ever made. Uh, and he became our high priest by sacrificing himself. Um, so he is greater than the high priest. He's greater than the law. He's greater than any other sacrifice. And then in chapter 3, he's like Moses, only greater than Moses uh, and more glorified than Moses because Moses was faithful as a part of God's household while Christ is faithful over God's household, ultimately the creator, the builder. And uh, the builder is uh, more glorious than what he builds. And so Christ more glorious than creation. So yeah, so pray you have a great week. I look forward to uh, Wednesday. We'll look at Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, pray that you have a great start to your week.